0: Hello, welcome to the first ever episode of Throw Another Podcast on the Barbie. On this podcast I will be chatting with my worldly friends about their lives travelling and working abroad. Discussing the highs and the lows, what provoked the change and what their lives looked like prior to the big move. My first guests are certified jet-setters from the land down under, who have spent the last five years travelling with their three daughters from Oman and now all the way to the EU in Sweden. Welcome to my very, very good friends, Georgia and Darren Wright. Welcome. Thank, Thank,
1: you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks Cheers. for
0: coming on. Okay, so Georgia, actually, I was thinking about this today, mm. and I remember the day we met. Darren, you're not going to like this because your story's not as interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Besson all day was so excited for us to meet, and she was telling me all oh, about this Australian woman that works now here in English, and, as an English teacher, and then... Um, so I was, was pretty that excited a bit of a to meet. Like down for you, was it? I mean, we'll talk about that another time, <laughs> podcast too. <laughs> so yeah, and we met downstairs near the nurses' office at the elevator. So I don't know if you remember that. And I have a bad memory, so that's a real
1: compliment. I'm touched that mm. you remember it. I, yeah. I don't actually remember it, but, but maybe that's because I met a lot of people.
0: No, understandable. In the
1: first uh, couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I did always enjoy that you came in and you always said hello to me. And you came in uh, when, uh, oh, yes. when I had a classroom. Mm-hmm. And you always came in and said hello to me and made me feel very welcome, which I always loved and I always felt. At home,
0: oh, that's pretty uh,
1: with you. Um, not many other people came in to say hello, so maybe that's. I'm,
2: I'm a bit offended. I like on Facebook memories. You know, when that comes up, it's been two years since you've known Chris McLean. You know, it, it was a special time for me, Chris. But
0: it was. Well, tell me the story so I can because re- I really don't remember the day we met. Because it's probably because I like Georgia a lot more than you.
2: And I think there would have been like two weeks, maybe three weeks, before I actually made it down here. And picked her up, and it was always this. Oh, Chris McLean, you know, yeah. there's this Australian guy. He's a cracker, you know. You'll love him and everything. And then, you know, I finally met you, and I went, "No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all." No, straight away, it was just that one of those things where you just go, "Oh, yeah, I've heard about you. I've heard about you," yeah. and that's that, that connection they where the same
0: thing. Yeah,
2: and it's always nice. now. And it's always the same. Every time I meet you now, it's just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah, known everybody's. each other for years." Yeah, that's why we're we're chuffed to be here.
0: Yeah, well, I'm very glad to have you on. How did you come to work at the English school?
2: Connections. It's all about connections. It's all about who you know. Because we had already been in another school before that in the Middle East, in Oman, and we had friends from there, and they just said one stage... They were South African, and they just said at one stage, no, we've had enough of Oman, we're going to move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to go to Sweden. Right. And we went, yeah, all right, that's a bit far away. And even to me, like surviving a European winter, I don't think... At that stage, my brain could have done it. That was always her dream. She wanted to move to Europe, yeah. And I'd say no, winter, even in Melbourne, just the winter depressed me. Would get the seasonal depression, and everything right. like that. And nowhere
0: near as bad as here, either. No.
2: Yeah. Uh, and then it was just a case of they just went here and they loved it. So they were they were the connection. And we even came here when they were here after their first year for a holiday, and sort of you know walked all around and you know saw the Swedish lifestyle and went, yeah. And then still went, no, no, we're happy where the sunshine is in Oman and, you know, everything was going well at the job then. And we just went, no, we're not going to, we're not going to make it to Europe. And then just instantly it somehow just fell into place. There were just other people that were here as well. And in the end, yeah, we're teaching alongside these people who we met in another country and now we're teaching next to them in another country. Yeah. And then we go, well, if they move somewhere else, we'll probably have to follow. Because yeah. when he left Oman, it was like, he was my my good friend.
0: Because you worked together in the same department. Yeah.
2: So yeah, we were in the the primary school together and we would just sit at the back of staff meetings and even though there was times where I was meant to be sort of like running the staff meeting on that, I would just go sit at the back with him and we would just be sitting there with tears streaming down our face and then as soon as he left there was no one else there that sort of brought out that same bit of humour and so then when he said, oh no, I think we can get you a job, come to Sweden, and I think we just looked at each other and went... Why not? Why not? And our
1: relationship with um, them was different as well because they taught our children. Mm-hmm. So they'd been in um, the school and taught our daughters. Right. So it was a, um, a sort of parent relationship as mm. well as a friendship. So we sort of had a very close bond. Then we sort of missed them a lot when they left because uh, they really were like big source of our social gatherings and people that we would get together with because in... As you know, in a country when you're alone, you do tend to mix with the expats. Oh yeah. Once our sort of like yeah social group had broken up, Mm. and we had some other friends uh, as well—one Australian and one South South African—and they moved back to Australia. Mm -hmm. Then these guys moved as well, and then we were sort of feeling a bit a bit alone, Mm, weren't we? Really, sort of thing. So we missed uh, our friendships with Mm. them. And that was part of the reason to come and visit them mm. even on holidays, just so we could see them because yeah. we'd actually miss them a lot. Mm.
2: And I think the um, friendships you have in expat circles are far more intense, you right. know, because you are, like you said, thrust into that social situation. And especially when we're in the Middle East, you've got such a part of the community that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. You don't understand the Arabic lifestyle. You don't understand exactly that way of thinking. And so... When you do find these kindred spirits, and South Africans are very similar to Australia, must yeah. be that longitudinal thing, like you know, personality, personalities right. that, Lifestyle. that, you know, not taking life seriously, loving right. the sports, hanging around a barbecue with a couple of beers. Yeah, um, yeah it's a staple of their life, and of course, a staple of the Australian life. So the only difference is we would talk about AFL, and they would talk about rugby, and then assume that we love rugby as well. And they go, "Oh, come on, we've got to sit down and watch this game." And we'll be sitting there going, no, we'll come for a few beers. But, you know, other than that, yeah. it was just always that connection, though. And yeah. yeah, always. And we can still do the same thing here. Even when you're standing around a fire, you know, you've got a barbecue going here, but you're putting your beers in the snow mm-hmm. rather than, you know, in the fridge or something like that. Yeah. Still, it can be done anywhere. I think once you find those friends, those kindred spirits, doesn't matter what country you're in, you're going to still, you know, do that same thing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We've done that. I mean, definitely. Yeah, I, think the, one, I, think. I think
2: the I think the coldest day that I've had here was Australia Day last year, and we were <laughs> gathered around our farmhouse out in you know the outskirts of town, yes. and yeah, just thrusting beers into the snow and pulling them out. I was working quicker than the fridge, and it's we just great. sort of yeah looked at each other and went, "God, things have changed, but they're still the same as well." Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, going back in time a little bit. What age did you uh, meet each okay, other?
1: Okay, now listen, the memory's not that good. It's not
2: so close. <laughs> yeah, this is a case of, yep, yep. It was, once again, a friend of a friend. Okay. Uh, that connected us that way. We just started we going used to
1: out. like to go to music gigs, yeah. gigs both of us. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was going out with a friend of his. Yeah. My friend said, oh, come out with us. There's going to be a guy there and we think you'll like him. And I was like... Mm. I don't know. Mm, I ended up going, of course. He ended up going. We had a great time. And we did that a couple of times, didn't we? Like, just sort of like being third wheels Mm. to our friends' relationship. Then it evolved into a bit more. As time went on, we sort of settled in. And I think it was only a couple of months. And then we decided to move in together.
2: And it was. It was just that. I think we just straight away just connected. We just knew right. exactly like, that love of music, that love of going out, um, that love of partying, everything. It was just right on the same same wavelength that, yeah. And I and think. And we're
1: very yin and yang. He is very calm and very mm-hmm. um, sensible. And I'm very flighty and. Uh, a little bit crazy so okay. I think it works uh, in that she sense. said that I didn't say that I, you know. no. <laughs> she's my
2: she's my rock of course yeah <laughs> the molten lava <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> it, can,
2: it can flow baby it can flow we went out oh. to a we went out to a gig and it was like um at the the old SB hotel in St Kilda um on cup day so it was called cup day chaos and there was about mm-hmm. 30, 40 bands playing. And we're we're all in a
1: group of like 10 or 15 friends that we all like used to go out gigging together. Mm. And
2: And we're standing in the line and, but then um, we just instantly, we got in, had a good party. And then, and then by the end of the night, we saw the fireballs, This psychobilly, like a punk rock band and everything. I remember just rushing out of the, going to say the mosh pit but you know whatever it was in those days and I was just dripping with sweat I just had this this, because it was just this and just went up and grabbed her and said all right let's go and that was that was it (laughs)
0: that's a nice
2: time yeah so it was just
1: that we did instantly have a connection like yeah you can feel that sort of thing yeah Mm. we've always sort of like been very very close and um, Mm. basically we're best friends Mm. we always have been and I mean Like any partnership, you know it evolves over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's uh, ups and downs. You know what it's like. Uh, It's um, like normal. And um, now it's been the better part of what
2: twenty quarter of a century. I think it is. Yeah, twenty five years.
1: That's quite an inspiring
0: story, actually. Well, actually, I'm drawing a lot of parallels because my girlfriend and I met the same way. Her friends, they worked as cleaners, and then I was living with her and her boyfriend. And so I met her that way. We had a connection straight away. We went out and I was drinking a lot more back then. And I lived in Ellie Beach. So we were out drinking beers a lot of the time and a lot of the days of the week. You know, yeah, one thing led to another. We moved in together pretty quickly, just like you. And Yeah, now I am still here four years later in Sweden. So just like snowballs, I guess. It's yeah. One of those things, Which, yeah. she
1: was traveling over there, she was She
0: was uh, backpacking there and working. So, mm. such, so a, yeah. such a Swedish thing to do, isn't it? It's very Swedish to I go to the beach. Yeah. yeah, I
2: think every time you say to someone, you know, in Sweden, right, I come from Australia, they go, Oh, yeah, I was there, you yeah. know, when I was backpacking around it, oh, and, yeah. and you go, Well, you obviously in Brisbane, yes, I was in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah it just seems <laughs> yeah.
0: you can tick them off the list almost, the yeah, definitely gone too.
2: Mm. And then I, I don't think. Unless you've got that connection, I don't think you can then do that next jump, you know, in terms of, all right, what are we going to do? We're going to travel the world. Yeah. And it took her a long time to to travel the world. You had a fear of flying. Mm-hmm. I fear
1: still of- don't love it, but mm-hmm. I'm keen to go places, mm-hmm. and I think it makes it a little bit better.
2: I've still got the the scars from the first flight that we took to Europe, right? Because I it like was the, just the, that, the it like was, that it was it was <laughs> she was scared, and then we had a, like a domestic flight. Remember the one that we went from Paris to. Austria you probably don't remember mm. uh, I think she's blocked it out and there was turbulence there and there was just this white face looking at me and we had kids at that stage as well and then the next flight she was on the other side of the aisle to me yeah and she's just looking at me with this look going I don't know if I can make it. but then yeah that, that just changed it was when we came back from that flight uh, I think she'd conquered the demons but then also I got this random email that just came up on my phone when it was sort of connected, and at that stage we'd never talked about, you know, moving anywhere or travelling much because she just conquered these demons. Yeah. And and it just said, hey, do you want to teach overseas? Mm-hmm. And never thought of it. And then the fact that this random email—I don't know how it got into my inbox—I'd mm-hmm. never really searched it. I just showed her and went, hey, we should do this. And that was like 2013. And then I think within 12 months we sold our house. We relate, you know, quit our jobs. We sold everything. Right. Put a few things into a box and went, all right, we're going to start travelling the world now. And
1: We were very lucky, though, because my sister lived in Oman mm-hmm. and she had a teaching job there. And uh, she called Darren and she said, I think I've got a job for you. Hmm. He was like, mm, talk to me, tell me what it's about. They were going through a bit of a change of management. Hmm. She said it's a leadership position, I think you should apply for it. Mm-hmm. And Darren said, well, I'm not sure. But she said, the principal's Australian. Good stuff. I'm sure that you'll get along with him. Right. So pretty much instantly... But that was uh, that
2: desperate... Because we left Australia and originally I was going to work in... I was applying for jobs in Abu Dhabi mm-hmm. because that's where everyone sort of logically starts. We sold the house, got rid of the cars, jumped on the plane. After about two weeks overseas... Then we got this call or this email saying uh, we don't actually have a job for you, and so we were overseas. Mm-hmm. We had everything crammed into five suitcases, and that's when we got the um, the interview in Oman. And they just said, yeah, "Come in for a a job as a teacher," and that's all I wanted to do. I think half the reason why we were leaving Australia was because I didn't want to get dragged out of the classroom. I seemed to be getting into positions of okay. responsibility in Australia, and I went, "No, I don't." I don't think anyone wants to sort of enter into teaching and then go. Great, I'm going to go work in an office now and do admin work. Right. Went for the interview. They said, "Do you want to be the deputy head of primary school?" Came out of the interview. And I said to Georgia, "I don't know if I can do this. I'm not. I don't think I'm a leader." There, and she goes, "No, go for it. You'll do it. You'll." And that's the good thing that she does. She always goes, "You can. You can do it." And just very you know, important, important. Very important. And I think I doubted myself there, and then just went in, and said yeah okay i'll give it a go yeah. and so we traveled around for a bit and then went there in like april of that year and i was the deputy head of primary school i was like yeah this is good All right, i can do this and i'll still teach in as well which is the best thing mm-hmm. and then we were there for a, a week one week yeah i started on the monday and on the thursday afternoon the head of primary school just resigned on the spot And she just left the school didn't come left the country Mm. just no one knew the real reasons why or anything like that and so then on the friday morning the principal comes in to me and says i guess you're our new head of primary and i went yeah all right so yeah it wasn't a case of chasing the leadership position but just fell in the lap yeah
0: Mm. seems like fate almost and that was the same
2: same here as well i came here and i thought right yep i'm gonna go back in the classroom and teach and then after six months they went yeah, I think we need someone to. Yeah, I've never, I've never applied for a position of leadership. It's always, hey, you do you want to? Yeah, it. do you want to do this? And I'll go. Yeah, all right. Yeah.
0: Did you always have that, or did the DJing and stuff help with that? No,
2: I think I've always been a bit of a. not so much been a showman yeah, always been a showman yeah and like even to the point i'm would get shy or something like that in a social situation but then go nah that's not you and then go and i don't take myself seriously so i think when you don't worry about what other people think in that sense Mm. then you can just get up there and say you know what i can be a bit of an idiot
0: yeah
2: you know i think a lot of more people you know appreciate that rather than go oh what's he doing there or And I think that's always been the case. Plus,
1: you connect with people very well. Mm. You've always been a good people person. So you always, like, make good connections with people and you're happy to sort of chat and Mm. have a... um an ear for people all the time. And yeah. I think that makes a big difference to people because um, people want to know that they're hurt, oh, you Yeah, know? Like, Especially like at school, mm. people want to be able to come and tell you things and know that you are going to act on it and do something about it. Mm. So, And I think that's a big part of what he is.
0: It's a huge part. I think it's one of those things, especially as I get older, I realise some people, if you talk to them, they're just waiting for the next thing they can say. Mm. Which is what I used to be like a bit, and I try and be better at it. Yeah. Or oh, I want to say this thing, so I'll listen to when you stop talking, then I'll say what I want to say. It's mm-hmm. not really a good way to have a conversation it's, or have a friendship. with oh I yeah.
1: suppose it's a, a not listening so much. Yeah, like sort of More, sort of. more wanting, wanting to interact with them and think that you can interact, yeah. but not actually hearing what the person is saying. Yeah. There's a difference to listening. And yeah. hearing, isn't mm-hmm. there? Oh, like, yeah. um, but if you recount to somebody what they said to you, mm-hmm. like a bit later down the track, then they go, Oh, you really listened to what I said, then. Like, I'm really like touched that yeah. you actually listened to me and heard what I said. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you do mm. a lot. Like,
2: and I think in a conversation as well, I don't like to be the person that says the first line of the conversation, right? Because then you sort of, you know, someone I will say, I have
1: start, to disagree with that, really. <laughs>
2: I always I always like to hear what someone says and then go, Right, okay, yep, this is where we're heading that way. Like
1: well, maybe in a, a professional or- sense.
2: Yeah. So I don't think in a conversational sense I don't start many conversations but I love to take part in them. You know?
1: Uh, again, I may disagree mm-hmm. with that. Okay. I think you like to start the conversation and see what people will say and then you like to retort.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and that question is always like you go up to someone and say, So what music are you into? You know, and I think that comes from you know. But and as soon as you find out, okay, you know, what's your favourite band? or What kind of music you listen to? Mm-hmm. Instantly, you just go right. Yep, you're yeah, that yeah. kind of person. Then we, therefore, we're going to talk about you know, like if someone. If I go up to someone and say, you know, what music do you like? And they go to me, oh, Shania Twain.
0: Okay.
2: Part of my brain's going, Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. We'll never be best friends in life, but <laughs> you know, we can go down.
0: That I wasn't going to tell you about. That. Oh, yeah,
2: I <laughs> That don't impress well, me much. <laughs> My mum's a
0: big time Shania Twain. Yeah, man. I think everyone's mum is.
2: A good yeah. To this. Okay. Yeah. Oh no.
1: This no. mum's not.
2: This mum's not. No.
0: Do you like Shania Twain? Um, I,
1: I will tolerate her if we're like at a party and drinking, uh, but I wouldn't go and see a concert. Let's put it that
0: way. That don't impress me much. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Man, I feel yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. But there was um, someone brought up
0: Shania Twain finally I mean, Sh- twenty five minutes. Here, right? <laughs> what are we doing? Here? Well,
2: there was a um, Shania Twain was playing in Stockholm last year. I heard about yeah, and one of our one of our best friends, who she was teaching in Oman with us, but she's come to Sweden as well, and she said, oh, "You'll never guess what? For my birthday, it's around my birthday time as well. Shania Twain's playing, you know, and I'm going to buy tickets for all of us to go and." And we just sort of looked at each other and went, "No, you don't need to. We'll, we'll we'll go out for dinner or something like that." So, yeah I think there's all those those types of artists that some of them you like, some of them you go, mm. "Sure, yeah. definitely." Right.
0: When uh when you were eighteen, were you just going into? Oh, is that a flashback? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you want me to go higher? When did you start I studying in- nursing?
1: Um, oh, oh I, I first of all, uh, when I went to university, I was in a performance arts course. I did that for maybe about eight months, I think it was, and then I got really, really, really sick with adult whooping cough. My professor said to me, listen, you need to take six months off school, rest, get better, come back. Of course, well, what happens when you have a break from university most of the time? You don't usually go back.
0: Yeah, the motivation dies up pretty quick.
1: Yeah, so I think um, that sort of like put me on the back foot a little bit. I didn't go back. And of course, I kept in contact with a lot of my friends uh, that were still in the course. And they ended up being on shows like Blue Healers. And what happened was uh, I actually uh, decided to um, go to work for a little bit, didn't I? Mm. I was just working an average job. I think I'm, I was managing a, a store in Southgate down uh, in Melbourne. Okay. I enjoyed that. It really wasn't much of a challenge. It was pretty mundane, even though it was a management position. Then I decided my friends were working at the Melbourne Museum and they said to me, ah, apply for this job. You'll be really good at this job. It's a tour guide of the museum. You're going to love it you're a chatterbox you like that sort of thing come come and work for us again with the connections Uh, when I actually went for the interview it was a girl that I used to go to school with uh, in country Victoria who'd moved down to Melbourne and worked her way through the museum and of course so she knew me straight away and Mm -hmm. she said of course Georgia you can have the job. Mm. That was a really good time for me. I really mm. enjoyed working there. I worked in the Children's Museum and I worked in Bunjalaka, which is the Aboriginal gallery as well. And I worked down at the school's entrance. So mm. all of the schools that used to come, you would host the school and show them all the uh, galleries and do everything with them. I really enjoyed doing that. I uh, became pregnant mm. with my daughter I think we'd gotten married just before yeah. that. Then I um, said uh, to Darren, you know, I am going to go and do my nursing. I think I'll be really good at being a nurse. That,
2: that stunned me. It's, I have to say, her careers have evolved. And like when you backtrack her careers from performing arts to where she is now, it's logical evolution. There's just these connections there. But this was one where she went from tour guide to nurse and yeah, and I just remember going, But are you sure? Are you sure? And because your mum was a nurse yeah. and you know, people in the family were nursing as well, to her it was a lot more logical. But for me I didn't know that whole background so intimately. So when she said it I was, yeah, okay, well okay, we support you, off you go and Yeah,
1: and then well, she was-,
0: was it logically like you wanted a career or were you sort of like passionate about helping people in that whole part definitely very
1: much uh, the second but also being uh, that I was becoming a new mum as well I was uh, looking for something that was going to fulfill me hmm. in that way so I was um Oh so
0: you were pregnant and then you decided to study
1: No You're I was studying it. while I was pregnant hmm. okay Yeah. I'd studied a bit prior to being pregnant and then um, I was doing both of them. I was going to school at the museum at the same time. So I would go to school like a couple of days and then a couple of days I'd be at the museum and it was a bit of a juggle but somehow we managed it. Then I had my daughter and I graduated just after I'd had my daughter I didn't want to go to the graduation because mm. <laughs> I, I wasn't looking my best, I must say, like while I was pregnant and uh, handling having a new child. And it was um, a little bit of a juggle. Mm. Then I had my other daughter very quickly. So I was uh, only nine months off my first daughter, okay, and then I was pregnant again with my second daughter. But had
0: you started working as a nurse by then?
1: No, I hadn't actually started. Okay. I'd had a few job offers, mm. and I'd had politely do,
0: You had some shifts. Yeah, yeah. I
1: did um, maybe nurses' bank for a yeah. little bit. So I you think had a little feel was, for it. Yeah, But when yeah. you're
0: studying nursing in Australia, I know you're here, even when you're studying at university, you're still at the hospital a bit. Yeah, you the, do do your
1: placements. Rate. Placement rate. Yeah, of yeah. course. Okay. And then I um, decided... Uh, stay at home with my kids Uh, and my youngest daughter, uh, my middle daughter at that time, well, it was my youngest, she was a very clingy baby and she required a lot of attention and I was juggling two kids. So basically um, my eldest daughter was 18 months and I had this newborn. My daughter was about six months and I said to Darren, I need to go back to work. (laughs) I've had enough talking about nappies and bottles and who walks first and what's happening I would really like to uh, go back to work Mm -hmm. and actually a friend of mine was a nurse unit manager and she said to me come down come down and have an interview and just see if you like it yeah. Of course, I liked it, and it was all good. And I very quickly worked through the ranks there. Mm-hmm. Ended up being night nurse manager, and working nights, which was really good at the time because yeah. I had two young children, so I could stay at home, go to mm-hmm. kinder, take my kids um, out to their yeah, I activities. The I know, that's really Yeah, thing. it really worked well for us. And Darren worked
0: mm-hmm. during the day, so it? she would
2: come yeah. home from work, and I'd go right there. You go, there's the yeah. kid, and then I'll go to work, and then you know, I guess it or makes or so. it
0: tougher for a relationship. Yeah. It's like that a little bit as well. Definitely. It was you know, difficult.
1: Sort of like... like there was times that it was really, really difficult. Yeah. But I mean, we've always muddled through, haven't yeah. we? Oh, definitely. We just sort of muddled through. Mm. It was uh, really good for um, a good part of, I would say, seven years. Yeah. And it was really nice and it was, uh, I, I enjoyed being yeah, there. That good
2: routine. But you've missed an important job in your career path. So like you talked about performing arts, you talked about... Um, you know hospitality tour guide you know nurse and then you'll go through the other she was a postie you
1: were she postie. was
2: a postie for did you ride the bike she rode the, did bike. Ride the
1: bike yeah, i have okay. a motorbike license yes you do. And no, that was that was a fun time in my favorite
2: my fa- favorite part of that was when she actually came off her bike because a dog attacked her and bring her apart. No, the, the reason why is not because of the dog attack, not because of the injuries, but then when there was sort of like an inquiry going into it and they had to contact the um, the dog owner. Mm-hmm. And normally in a situation like that, like this was a not a very nice okay, dog. Okay,
1: Let's just say that the giant poodle bit me on the bottom. Okay. It wasn't just a dog attack. Okay. There was a... A biting and a piercing of the skin. The
0: poodle part doesn't make it seem more ferocious <laughs> than <laughs> I had previously thought. But okay, thought. You think, it was a But you think a giant German poodle, shepherd, but, good attack, good <laughs> but,
2: but the best thing was then in yeah. part of the mediation process, and this must have been sort of like a new mediation age, process, there was a mediation yes. process, that, process right? that went on for a long time. Yes. <laughs> Georgia had to go to counselling sessions, not for her for falling off the bike, but because the dog was traumatised. And she had to go for pet counselling. Oh. Is this
1: true? Yes, this Please is true. Don't. Okay, but pet you're making counseling. it sound like I fell off my
0: bike. No, I didn't fall off this, my bike. This dog I was, was psychotic. riding. Where were you on the bike at this point? Yeah. Yeah. The we're dog was counseling. running
1: and the dog ran after the bike. Some dogs don't like motorbikes. I don't know why. It, it must have just been in that mood and it came at me, it bit me. Then we turned around. We had to have this mediation process with the owner of the dog because the post was saying that they should have the dog put down. Okay. Because it's bitten someone. Hmm. And I said, "Okay, well, that's going a bit far. Mm-hmm. Let's not put the dog down." Well, surely, like, if you
0: don't want to put down, it should. It no. would.
1: It's a like you know one-off occasion. She's not, she's the dog not pressing hasn't any attacked charges. me any time. I've <laughs> delivered the mail here many times. I was a business postie as well, so I wasn't. It wasn't someone's house. It was a business. And then that's business
2: why. Yeah, what kind of businesses Ro- <laughs> operating with giant poodles? Well, that's Security. why
1: the post were a bit worried that this dog might attack other people. So they're point of view was that the dog should be put down I said to them okay I don't think that's really very kind let's uh, see what else we can do so yes it was the mediation process with the dog the dog had counselling I sat in on the counselling with the dog Let's just say I was more traumatised than what the dog was by the end of the counselling. Mm. Well, I right. thought that
0: would be initially. But the do- dog. What's the dog got to worry about? <laughs> but the dog's not allowed to, it's not not allowed to dog sit dog on one? the couch.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: yes, thank you for bringing that up. That a, I <laughs> forgot that was about that. memory. Yeah. Like, now you're going to yeah. get him back. we got to
2: 25 yeah. minutes. Here. No. So I've been a teacher from <laughs> age 21 until age 47. So there's no there's no
0: career changes there or anything. Yeah. I'm sure there's embarrassing stories somewhere. You know, like into
1: Twix, yeah, you don't have very much. Uh, no. You've you've varied no. your job, of course, but hmm. you you haven't really changed careers. But uh, no. then, do we want to talk about like then how I changed? Well, what no. about
0: with the poodle? <laughs> Let's get back people. to the poodle. I really need to know more.
2: About we're going to change the podcast now to "Great Adventures of Giant Poodles." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Far more subscribers. <laughs> so I don't see many poodles in Sweden. So you think no. psychologically, you're trying to still run away from the poodle? Were there many in Oman? No,
1: no, well, no they don't really have luxury luxury dog types there. It's mainly mm. waddy dogs, isn't it? Mm. dog. You don't a waddy dog is a As we would call it, a Heinz variety.
0: Heinz variety?
1: 99 Heinz variety, you know, a bit of a mutt. And that is. uh most of the dogs that are there. You're asking
0: for trouble with that microphone. Yeah, I am exactly.
1: not going to play with that microphone. Well, I'm going might to look leave. Quick. It's fine. It's it fine. It's good. As long as you're
0: comfortable. I'm ready to move on from the poodle now. All mm. right. Thank you for telling me that, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, <the ammunition laughs> the the um, We're talking about your nursing.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed nursing. I said to Darren, um, I would like to go and do my training and assessment. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, Again, fully supportive. I went and did this course in training and assessing and um, I had hoped... I'd met a friend of mine uh, who owned a business who said to me, come and work for me. Uh, And he said, you only need this training and assessors course because you're already a nurse, you already know, and you you can teach first aid. Um, And you'll teach to doctors and uh, nurses and... uh, Schools. Schools, kindergartens, teachers... Daycares. uh, Yeah, daycare... Darren was a bit iffy about the whole situation because he's saying to me, you've met this guy like once or twice and Mm. he's telling you he's going to give you a job. Like, really? Like are you serious? I said, yes, I'm going to do it. This is for me. I really am going to enjoy this. I went and did the assessor's course. I was working at a nursing bank Mm, at this time where I was doing a lot of rehab. It was very traumatic for me though, because it was a TAC rehab unit uh, with kids that had had uh, car accidents and they were young Mm -hmm. Like teenagers, uh, 15, 16, 17, being in the car with either a drunk driver or, you know, someone had had an accident on the way home from a party or things like that. And I found that very, very tough, and I only lasted doing that for six months. So I, I can't was... imagine
0: anyone not mm. finding that at least at some level. It That's was really, really, tough,
1: really, like. really difficult to watch these parents, um, oh, yeah, parents try the to way. adjust yeah. with their kids uh, living in a different life than what they had expected for their kids. Yeah. And I just found it really depressing. Like mm-hmm. you have to be a special person to be able to do that long term. Yeah, long term. Really special.
0: And even um, then, you must. Must be a different person. Yeah, After I think it's just so draining.
1: It's really draining to give your all to those people and try and be positive every day with them.
0: Or oh, then coming home to your kids as well yeah, and having to positive That's there. why
1: I was it's finding true. it difficult. Because by that stage, I had had my third daughter. I, I was just finding it really, really hard to see these uh, kids with their parents I wasn't uh, coping well with Mm. it it was probably the hardest job I've done as I said my friend had told me that he would give me a job but a month had gone by and I hadn't had a phone call then a second Mm. month had gone by and I hadn't had a phone call (laughs) Darren was like "Mm, I don't think this is going to eventuate look now what are you going to do I said, look, just give it time. Something will happen. Something always happens. I, I know we very much have this attitude that mm. something will always yeah. happen the, or evolve. The
2: universe shall provide.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What had happened was uh, I was at a, a PE sports day with my daughter, mm-hmm. watching her do the, you know, 50 metres, <laughs> doing the high jump, the long jump, all of that sort of thing. My friend's wife called me. And she said to me, Georgia, you need to come in tomorrow. I have a job for you. And I said to her, no, I can't come in for an interview today. I'm wearing my truck suit pants and I'm out at a sports day. And she's like, I don't care. She said to me, listen to me carefully. I have breast cancer. You need to come and you will work tomorrow for me. I said, hmm, that was pretty intense." And I said, oh, "Okay." Well, did you um, know
0: about the breast cancer prior? Well, that's how no, she revealed it. No, that's, that's how a- she
1: revealed it, wow. just like that, on the phone to me. She and she was one of those people. Okay. She was honest and to the point. Mm-hmm. And she said, "I don't care whether you're wearing your tracksuit pants. Mm-hmm. I have breast cancer." And I said, oh, "Okay." And she said, "Get down here now. You know where it is." I'll see you in 25 minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So needless to say, I hopped in the car, dropped there in 25 oh, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Track it, in
0: 23 minutes,
1: I uh, <laughs> I started work for her that next day. I worked for them for over a year and I absolutely adored the job. I absolutely loved it.
2: But the problem was that was the exact same time that we went, yeah, you know what, we're going to move over. So, okay. And so we'd already started the ball rolling there and so I think you are in the job for like six weeks and then went how am I going to tell them that we're moving overseas? Yeah. And because yeah, we're I more didn't or less tell committed. her to
1: the very last minute because I didn't want to upset her. And, of course, she's going through her own problems. Yeah. I didn't want to say That's too a real
0: difficult situation to be in. Yeah.
1: yeah. I knew she was a fighter. I knew she was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel comfortable telling her. So I just uh, pretty much went through the motion and worked and worked and worked. As I said, I absolutely love that job It's um, because it's complete autonomy. You just work by yourself and you you know are in charge of everything that goes on and so if anything went wrong I could blame myself I didn't blame anybody else which was really nice and I could pick and choose my hours which I loved I loved that she would just come to me with the calendar and say this is how many jobs are on this week what would you like to do That worked really well for our family unit, didn't it? Like, it was just fantastic. We really couldn't complain. Um, I just picked Wednesday this week, Thursday next week, whenever I wanted to do it. Did you
0: pick week to week? Yeah,
1: no. She would give me, like, up to two weeks, and then I'd sort of say oh, I don't know what the kids are doing this week. We'll just see. like, I can pick up a job on Saturday. I can pick up a job on Sunday. It sounds
0: perfect, hmm. loving it the was, job and then simultaneously being able to choose your hours. That's a pretty rare thing to have. It just
1: think. wonderful. Hi. And it was a wonderful company to work for. I really love them. We still keep in contact with them. They came and visited us in Dubai when we were in Oman. So we still like, you know, and she frequently uh, chats to me on Facebook and things like that, which is awesome. Then uh, when we were moving to Oman, they had offered me a job of a school nurse. But as what happens in international schools, they like to offer it to a local person first. They said to me, You actually have to be Omani for this job. We can't take you for the job.
2: But that was when we were in the country. Yeah. So we'd already moved and they said this job,
1: yeah. Yeah. You're locals
0: already at that point, then.
1: Well, (laughs) sort of. Mm. Um, And then they'd said to me, um, Listen, but we do have this kindergarten position. Would you like to do that? Yeah, I can do that. Then it took me on a whole new path, didn't it? Really, I've always,
2: I've always said that she should have been a teacher. From that he was used that progression. Me,
1: I'll bring you to the side. I'll yeah. bring you over <laughs> to my side. You will it's teach one day. Side. I said I will never teach. He said you will teach. No, yeah, but
2: you said you never <laughs> had, would have the patience with kids not listening to you or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then that nursing to the first aid teacher and then a classroom te- a yeah. KG teacher, yeah. And
1: then I, I mean, I was basically thrown into the classroom uh, by myself with a bunch of. Uh, two-year-olds, yeah. 15 two-year-olds, said go for it, Okay, do what you like. And so a lot of the learning was on the job really and I actually studied distance while I was teaching. I managed to like Did do my degree? Yeah. my degree while I was teaching, which was amazing that mm. I had that opportunity. It was really very nice. And then um, I came here yep. and uh, taught English uh, for a year. And now I'm down in the after school, before and after school club. Yeah. We, we do love being our team down there. there. We do of have course, a very we have a
0: great team. team. I'm we, very, very happy at work.
1: We have a very good team. Um, I think it's uh, changed a lot since last year.
0: Huge change. Yeah,
1: huge and change. I think we've had a lot of them and uh, it's been a really nice ride, actually, hasn't yeah, it, Yeah, it's been
0: great. Not coming to work most days, you
1: Yeah, <laughs> we do have a lot of fun down there now, which is good. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, everything's evolving all the time. We never yeah. know. Uh, initially, when I was set to come here Mm -hmm. they actually interviewed me for the job of head of uh, kindergarten but Mm. um, as you know when we arrived there is no kindergarten (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) and that always happens in international schools and international teaching Mm -hmm. there is always a position and then suddenly it's not and then Mm. it reappears again it's constantly changing so it's something that if you decide to move overseas it's something that you have to accept because it happens a lot it's not just the random schools that we know of we've got a lot of friends that teach overseas and they've had the same experiences where they've gotten there and it's not what they expected so Mm. I think it's just one of those things unfortunately
2: so Sweden what you expected when you came to move here did you I do not know what I expected, no. to be honest. But you were still young as well.
0: I was 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really expect too much. I never really lived out of Australia. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, just sort of a whirlwind. I applied and I got a working holiday visa. I couldn't get a, a working visa without a job, and I didn't have a job. So I came here without a job, which is probably the hardest part because it was great. And I had my girlfriend and I had like, we had a nice place we lived in and then we had a family of super nice people and I really get along with them, which is great. But if you don't have friends and, I went from having friends at home and having people to hang out with, go to the pub and everything with, and then I sort of lost that when I came here, which was the toughest part. (coughs) But in terms of, I really like it here. But the initial shock of coming here, I didn't really think about it. I just thought, oh, I'll move to Sweden. And that was, and then I got a visa in and we had a place to live. We just moved here on a whim. So I mean, the visa was coming home and I was coming to a new exciting Mm. place to live. And then after a while, I eventually got the job at the school. Yeah. but it's like what you said being thrown in that's what it felt like being a substitute been. I had no experience and when LaVisa said I should apply as a substitute at the school I was like well why would they take me I never taught I never worked with kids nothing mm. like I can't cover a class and then I applied and Karen called me within about 10 minutes and said hey you want to come in for an interview and I was like well I don't have any experience and they said well it doesn't really matter but it's funny the system here because I got a working holiday visa but it means you don't get a tax number so until you get a job they don't give you a tax number which means you can't work and the wait for a tax number when I applied was about 10 weeks the amount of jobs people looking to hire Australians who don't speak much Swedish in Eskilstuna that could wait 10 weeks for me to get my tax number and hold a job it's mm-hmm. just non-existent. Yeah. Here at the school, they always need substitutes. So I always feel very lucky. I always think about that. I would have been home three years ago if it wasn't for this school. And I got a job at a PE and then I worked with Hannah. She put in a good word for me and then everyone's putting good words for me and they keep giving me new contracts. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a real snowballing effect.
2: So when you left Australia, was it a case of, right, I'm going to give it this amount of time and then I'll come back? Because we were the same when we left Australia. People kept saying, oh, you know, how long will you go for? And the answer was... There was never an answer. We def- never knew. At we just first thought. We
1: said two years because our contract was only two mm. years. For like most international contracts are for one or two years. Yeah. So um, we said two years, mm. and we might be home. It'll be okay. Yeah. Um, we haven't really tied up a lot of our loose ends at home. We still have like uh, furniture and um, boxes. Boxes of uh, sentimental things at our friend's place that yeah, we keep saying yeah. that we should go home, but. In the six years, we've only been home once. But you've been home quite a lot, haven't you? Uh, but...
0: A couple of times, yeah. It uh, must be three times. I and
1: guess. you just went home? It... No, you were Usually going to go home summer. for Christmas. No,
0: but... it must be twice, I think. Just mm. during the summer when I had a car job. So yeah. I could I take weeks off and then I went home. In the answer to your question of how long I plan to stay, I guess we didn't think about that much. I just felt lucky to have a, a year visa. And I was pretty young and I was just like, oh, we'll work and see what happens. I've always thought about life like that and just see what happens next, I guess. Yeah.
1: But do you think it's uh, difficult to go home when you speak to all your friends? We've sort of found this, so I'm interested to see if you have found it as well, that you feel like your friends are doing the same thing Sure. And then you don't want to talk to them about the great things you're doing in Sweden and how you're having this great time. And it was snowing and, you know, the weather was lovely. And then we went on a trip here and yep. because you feel like you're bragging a little bit and you feel like you're a little bit.
0: I get like that a bit. Yeah, sure. I was definitely happy.
2: When you call up someone and say, you know, you haven't spoken to them for about three or four months. Yeah. And you've done so much in the international experience, you know. Yeah. And it, even if you haven't been anywhere, there's still so much that falls in path yeah. um, of the expat community. But then when you call them and say, "What have you been doing lately?" They go, "Eh, not much. Same yeah. old, same." old Yeah, that's something that makes me go, "Well, if we do go back, will we get stuck into that same old, same old?" Ah, uh, you know.
0: Like it'd be great to be home and see my family all the time. That'd mm. be great. But what i do though, like this is my life, and then. If I don't get a contract, my whole life changes within a day. But I understand what you're saying. Mm. But also, you kind of you kind of get stuck in day to day. It just feels like a, a place that I live now. Do you sort of? Yeah, yeah. it is
1: everyday life oh. here, and yeah. I think that's the difference between being in the Middle East and being here. in the Middle East, it's very much. Um, like a expat bubble and you are in a different lifestyle it's a very luxurious lifestyle you're very spoiled yeah then coming here is like real life hmm. uh, so sweden is a little bit different in that sense
0: yeah, you say that a lot. I can't even picture what that's like because I've already ever lived in Australia and then Sweden. So yeah, I'm really experienced yeah.
1: Like and that. I think somebody said to me, oh, it's just the Middle East has ruined you. You've just been used to being spoiled hmm. and now you're back here and you're just like living a real life. If you come to Sweden first, you would be fine.
2: Yeah. But- well, the concept of filling your own car with petrol in the Middle East when you tell people, oh, yeah, in Australia, you know, you get out of the car and you fill up the petrol. In Sweden you would get out of the car, you feel like your own petrol. But in the Middle East you sit in the car and you don't do anything.
1: With the air right. conditioner. With the air oil conditioner
2: oil with, the with the engine running <laughs> because because it's, it's too hot. Yeah. Time, and like there'll be people that would, you know, rock up to a uh, you know, like say a restaurant or a takeaway food place and they sit in their car and they just hold their hand on the horn. Until someone from inside comes out and ser- um, takes that's their a order, cultural thing, and
0: though. that's a cultural thing. Yeah, mm.
2: so it's all those weird things like that which make you go, "Wow, they are really have you know people taking care of them." Yeah. And so then, when you're an expat, you get caught up in that. Yeah, you don't. We never sat in a car and did the horn. We'd always go inside, and then all the locals would look at us and go, "Why are they leaving their car? Are they you know is anything wrong?" And because other people would just. Yeah, just do it all the time. And it's the worst when you see an expat person who's moved to the country and they're sitting in their car tooting the horn. And you go, come on, that's yeah, that's, that's not, a bit much. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you get a lot where people ask why you moved away from Australia? I get that a bit. It's sort All of like, the time. Oh, why would you move oh, away? Yeah. All
2: the time. And it's not why did you, it's why would you? Yeah, why would why you? Why would, you, would you, to... you move from yeah, Australia? why
1: don't you move back there? I want yeah, to move like there. Like why you wouldn't you move there? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess our experience is very different as well because... Yeah. We have always just searched out some adventure. I'm a bit of a, like...
2: A restless spirit.
1: I would say nomad, but thank you. (laughs) As a child, I always moved uh, a lot. My parents, like, uh, moved around for my dad's work. And so we've lived all over Australia. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty much every five years we moved. Um, So I'm used to moving. Now my parents have lived in the same country town now for 20 years and my mum thinks that's a massive achievement because (laughs) they haven't moved. Mm -hmm. But I think that has instilled in me a lot to try new things and go somewhere new. And I've never, like, let my kids feel like, oh, you know, that they are attached to a place. Mm. They're attached to us and where we are. So it's pretty much that, you know, wherever you are, wherever your family is, you know, like, so home is where your family is. We're an instant
2: party that, instant party of five. So no matter where you go, you know, we've always got enough people to fill a hotel room, (laughs) to fill a dinner table, (laughs) you know, to take a whole row on the plane. And, you know, so I think if you go off overseas by yourself at young age, you know, then there's you you got more likelihood to meet other people because you'll be sitting at a table by yourself and people feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, come up and do it. But yeah, when we're all sitting around a table together, we found that we could take that family unit yeah. and just transport it to any country. So before we went to Oman, we were in Sri Lanka for a few months, lived there, we had the whole family. Yeah, You know, when we travelled around Europe and everything um, before we went to Oman, the whole family was there as well. And so, we yeah, we were a ready-made travelling group and we're like the Partridge family without we're the singing abilities. Pretty know?
1: lucky Just though. The girls love to travel as well as much as what we do, hmm. which is good. They're always up for an adventure.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. That's really it's such an interesting way to raise kids.
1: Mm. Yeah, There's it is a bit not Many different. kids in
0: the world are traveling in different countries and living and learning different cultures and languages. And, yeah, mm. and
1: I mean, look, we've been incredibly lucky. Our girls have learned Arabic and Swedish. Yeah, and I don't know what's next. I mean, oh well, one of them's learning German at the moment, yeah. and the other one's learning Spanish. I've been <laughs> incredibly lucky with them. They've always jumped on board, haven't they? Like, yeah. I mean, I, our youngest one is probably like third or four, fourth culture yeah. child now. Well, she spent think... more
2: time out of Australia than in yeah. Australia, and so yeah. I think. I think even, even Bailey now is getting to that stage where she's spent half of her life outside of Australia. So, and people can't even pick that they're Australian. Yeah. They've got these weird sort of like Kylie Minogue type accents, yeah. you know. You go, yeah, it is Australian, but is she British? No, she's not British and trying to pick it that way. So I think the main thing that we wanted to do was open their eyes to a world beyond Australia.
0: Did you uh, think about that when you were going to move? Was it a big issue, or when you were talking about it, like, "Oh, what if we're not doing the right thing, taking them around the world"? The many
1: world? times, many yeah. times, even when uh, and you, as a parent, you constantly question what you're doing, anyway. Right. And then that was on top of it and compounded it really, yeah. didn't it? We were always going, "Oh, have we made the right choice?" Yeah. Oh. No, the word of it. We're moving to this new country. Are they going to settle? Are they going to have a nice time there? Or are they going to be isolated and they're going to feel alone? Mm -hmm. And are we going to bear the brunt of that? That, you know, mum, you took me here and now I feel like very sad about being here. Mm -hmm. And it was always something that's on our mind. Even now, Hmm. I think uh, we still think about it, don't we? Yeah, because
2: I think what their personality would have been like if we were still in the same house. Yeah. You know, in terms of the opportunities they've had have been absolutely amazing. Yeah. Are they going to sort of have itchy feet when they're older and you know want to travel around the world? Or is it going to be a case of it's all out of their system and then they just want to go back to Australia and they stay in the same house for 50 years or something like that? You know, we don't know... What kind of impact it's going to have on them? Yeah. Um, until it ha- and because they're three different personalities,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so we look at Definitely. one of them and go, well, yeah, she she would probably just find a nice comfortable place and stay there. But no, this other one's going to, you know, travel the world, and this other one's going to, I don't know. We don't, yeah, we we don't know, and the best thing is we don't want to know. Yeah. And even when we get to a point where we go, oh, maybe we should go back and stabilize, then we go, no, but we're. We're stable wherever we are. We've got that instant...
0: Yeah, we've got the family. Yeah, fact, instant yeah. family mm. factor.
1: And I think that makes a big difference, doesn't mm. it? Like, we're always a unit. So but, if somebody's going through something, we sort of try to, like, work through it mm. and give them a bit of a, a adjustment and help them with things. But, I mean, there was many times before we moved here, mm. we thought, are we doing the right thing? Yeah. We've already moved are we going to make the right choice by moving here? Okay. And, I mean, it really does weigh on you as a parent. Like, you feel bad Yeah. The question, thinking.
2: The question that always solves that is when we ask the kids, you know, say, well, do you want to move back to Australia? And all three of them, they yeah. just go, no, yes. no. What would, you know, what have we got back there? Other than family, um, you know, their friends... Uh, have now sort of evolved into their own friendship groups and everything like that. Yes, if we go back they'll probably catch up and it'll be a novelty thing, yeah. but in terms of that connection or anything like that, I think they've lost that now and they've built their other connections in, you know, in in Oman, in Sweden and you know, the next stage of their and life. And we're so.
1: incredibly lucky because our parents are still young enough to travel. My parents uh, have been over here twice already and yeah. we've only been here for, this is coming up to 18 months, two years. But did
2: you know, I was just thinking, I was looking back, did you know it's exactly five years ago today that we left Australia? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, was that right? and so that's oh, what, there you yeah. go. So
1: Wait, this is iconic. Was
0: that, was that today? Or?
2: Yeah, today. I think it's, well, I, there you go. pretty sure it's today that we jumped on the plane and... Oh. Left.
0: There you go. Yeah, I'm so. gonna edit this whole thing to make it seem like I did that. In the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just having like a five-year anniversary thing. Yeah. Uh,
2: so yeah, I think we, I think we've done a lot there. Things have changed a lot, and but we're still the same people, aren't we? Yeah.
1: I, I don't think we've changed. I don't think. I think the girls have changed hmm. a lot. Yeah. I think we still have our. I mean, it doesn't matter where you live. You still have your same morals and your values. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like. Uh, where you actually live yeah. um, you still uphold those and you still do the same thing as what your family does I mean it's all great to say I live in a different country but mm. you still as you say have that everyday life you yeah, know get right, up right. go to, to work come home have dinner go to bed get up go to work again yeah. it's um, just that you're doing it in a different country and some experiences may be more exciting mm-hmm. than others. But it, it is basically the same, isn't it? Like yeah. it's just somewhere else. Absolutely.
0: And they'll never experience I mean, especially Lexi won't have anything to compare it to. It's not like you grow up and no. then you grow up in a different country. Like. No,
1: and she can't yeah. remember a lot of the things that she's gone through. She she looks through photos and then um she sort of says, Oh, I think I think I remember that. And uh, we asked her about her bedroom in Australia and she was telling us something. We said, that wasn't your bedroom in Australia. God, the worst was... <laughs> what was that all about?
0: We
2: were looking through, I can't remember what it was, on like a website or something. And it was naming Australian animals.
0: Okay. And she oh, didn't... This is a
1: little bit sad. She actually.
2: didn't know what a <laughs> wombat was. We had to show her and a remind her what a wombat was. We've had to reteach her advanced Australia Fair. There's all these things where we go. You had to reteach me that one. Yeah, and <laughs> and then she learnt it like a you know a brand new song that was just heard on the radio. She's walking around the house singing, right. and she goes, "Oh, what what does Girt by Sea' mean?" And all these kinds of things, what does and it mean yeah. <laughs> It was Gert I we don't even know
1: Aussies Don't Gert. even know what Gert means oh, you just sort of yeah. He it, uses like, yeah. the word Gert, Gert. It's Gert. a really odd word yeah.
2: What was that comedian That, that means surrounded Gert. Gert So like a policeman can jump out And say right you've got to come out we've got the house Gert yeah. I always hear that <laughs> that was always that You'd one
1: I'd be really concerned if there was a policeman coming around and saying yeah. uh, uh, everything we'll get, is Gert we'll around you we're we'll Gert the
2: situation <laughs> so Gert's a word that just needs to be brought back up again Oh,
1: maybe it needs
0: to come back to Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I agree on that to be no, honest. I don't I, know if it's ever part I, of it. I
1: think I could disagree as well. Oh, like I'm girt. not sure about that. I didn't the know girt. the
0: definition until 14 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> but but what
2: we, Our home is girt by sea. So, what we, what would the alternatives be? It's like a multiple choice thing.
0: No, that's a good point.
2: Next to the sea, inundated by, you know, so. Next no. to. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's to be surrounded by. Yeah. So, it's, mm. it's an obvious one. I'll
0: give you that one, but I'm still not going to say.
2: Girt. No. <laughs>
1: You're not going to try and bring in Gert into your Paying everyday an, language. Advanced
0: English when I have to <laughs> grade three to get ready for that.
1: <laughs> I don't think they're ready for that at all. No.
0: We're actually running a bit out of time, Darren. But I haven't mm. talked to you about your DJing so much yet. Mm.
2: So yeah, to, I
0: think it's I like, want to know how it all started up. How did you just get into? How, how does one become a DJ?
2: Obsession with music. Okay. It was so like it was always that case of I think uh, from when I was like ten years old, just making mixtapes. And so you'd always like the best thing I ever bought was a uh, one of those double tape decks. Okay. So you'd take someone's tape and then be would able to make your own. A boom, box? a boom box. It was a, a beautiful boom box. And there was even a button on it where you could do it in double speed. So that oh, I could oh, here we go. and I would just churn out mixtapes tapes for, for everyone. Yeah. And so like I would make one and then a friend would have it and go, Oh yep and then I'd lose it. And so then I'd go and make another one and yeah, yeah that was it. And in the end we were even um splicing because this was before computers and that, would actually splice tapes together yeah. so we'll take this little part and then make our own little and then they would fall apart in the, the tape did recorder did you do
0: recorded off of FM radio because yeah, well, I did a little bit of that when I was a kid the
2: best thing my next door neighbour when I was growing up had a jukebox delivery service and so he had this huge garage and everything that was just filled with jukeboxes but also had probably 50,000 singles and then oh, wow. when they went to CDs and everything like that he would have had 20,000 CDs and so you could always go to his place just go and record something, put it onto a tape, yeah. go to that one. And so, yeah, you'll just make tape after tape. And every party that we had from about age five upwards would always have a jukebox in the corner. Okay. And so we were used to that, you know, go and select a music and everything like that. And so I'd go to parties sometimes and someone else was in control of the music. It would annoy me. I go, oh, no, we should listen to this. So I think it was that logical thing. And then, I don't know, we just met friends because that was when sort of like dance music and everything like that took off in the the music scene around where we were. So before that, we would go to sort of like punk gigs or ska gigs or something like that. And then straight away, all these, you know, pub nights turned into club nights and then club nights turned into raves and Yeah. yeah, we would go to them all the time. And then I just went, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. So... Started, I I think I tried to do vinyl, and just got sweaty hands that couldn't could never do that. And then the CDs, CDJs came out, and as soon as they came out, I just went, "Yep, I can do this," and yeah, it was easy. And so,
0: what's the art to it then? Finding the perfect song to follow another song, perfect, perfect, yeah. Okay, finding.
2: And so, like kids would always say to me, like when I was teaching or like DJing or something, "I want to be DJ. What can I do? What can I I say, "Go away for ten years and listen to as much music as you can." And then just go and find that you know the beat to the song. Yeah. And then when you find another song that matches that beat, that's it. That's you'd
0: be hard it. pressed to find kids wait, willing to wait ten weeks to start. Ten
2: years, <laughs> yeah. either ten years exactly. Yeah. So, um, but nowadays it was different there. So even when I first started DJing, it was also going to to record stores, going right. to and just going through, and you just yeah. flick through. It. Nowadays, you just go onto the internet, and so then when the CDs came out, I think I was one of the first people on Napster. Yeah, I was, you oh, was know, you right? oh, definitely, I Naps, and all those. I was just,
1: and I think you were lucky because you had a connection at uh, Pioneer, yeah, and then you went and did a um, course with them, and then you were like doing some teaching with mm. them. So and, there was a cu- uh, you couple were of writing years writing for a DJ magazine, yeah. and you were doing a lot there before you decided
2: to properly to, DJ. Yeah, yeah,
1: to properly DJ. And like I
2: had friends that were DJs in clubs, so um, they would sort of play like you know the main nights and everything there, the main um, hours of the of uh, the evenings. And I would actually go in there at the very very start, and so there would be like this huge techno club playing, uh, you know, from two o'clock till five o'clock in the morning was just like, boom, boom. but I would go in there at eleven o'clock when it first opened up, and I'll be playing completely different style of music just to warm people up so yeah when it came to to DJing it was never like oh yeah I want to be this kind of DJ it was yeah. just I want to play this song and mm-hmm. I think this song goes you know perfectly with it and so yeah, it would always be I'll be at the start of the night or at the end of the night or you know people would be playing in the main room and I'll be in the side room and you know that was always the thing there so it would just be a party but yeah. the best things were just house parties yeah so whenever I think I didn't I did not DJ a party, you know, for our friends for 10, 15, 20 years maybe. Mm-hmm. It would just always be, we'd have a party. Yeah. and DJ Mo be, came out. Yeah, DJ Mo, Mr. Moe would be in the corner. Mr. Moe,
0: Mo, Mo, yeah. I've been
2: calling you DJ Mo all this time. No, no, time. DJ, that was, no, I could I could never ascend to that. I think there was a DJ Mo. that's why. I I
0: to that, okay.
2: No, there was Mr. Mo because then I did, um once sort of the family came along and everything and doing, you know, like nightclubs or things like that, you just, you couldn't balance that with teaching. And yeah. so then started yeah, doing that, yeah. school discos and then, you know, do, you know, house parties and things like that. And that's what I pretty, pretty much every weekend for, for 10 years we were doing that, weren't we?
1: Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of friends in the industry because, mm-hmm. I mean, you had um, Eric and, yeah. you know, who knew a lot of people and you knew a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was very good before we had kids. We used to get to go do a lot of gigs. Mm-hmm. And we used to uh, know, get a lot of tickets that we could uh, – go and you know go backstage or and that was always very exciting especially as it was the start of it you know like because it had not really taken off in the sort of like um the mainstream mainstream yeah Yeah, it it really hadn't hit uh it was still those like really very unique nights Mm. uh sort of thing and it really hadn't turned mainstream Okay. Uh, then and then it exploded basically like in that next 5 years i mm. think it was really
2: yeah, cuz it was then... about 98 or something like that and i went because i was teaching then and then i loved djing as well so it was pretty much 50-50 yeah. and i went you know what i reckon i could make a course i could do a program we made our business and it was called neutronic and i actually went around to schools teaching kids how to dj mm-hmm. and they would make their own song during the course of a day and we'll take like a group of 100 kids
0: did you, could you see the natural talent from certain kids? Or was oh, it definitely,
2: definitely. No. you will just sort of go there because we were sponsored by, um, like, say, this this thing called MixMan. So it was like music software, and so we'd right. go in there with a bank of computers. So there'll be some kids making beats on the computers. Yeah. There'll be some kids. Um, we were sponsored by Pioneer as well, so we'd bring in the Pioneer DJ equipment. So kids would make their music on in one station make a song there, put it onto a CD, they would design their own CD, then learn how to mix it onto a, on a CDJ, and then in the end they would end up with their own song on a CD. Oh, that's really And so that was that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, we did that for, what, two years? And I had sort of, like friends as well that would come and help us with it. Uh, they will be DJs, you know, would make videos, I'd show them, would go out to club nights and do these promotional videos as well. Yeah, yeah it got to a point where I was working with this sound house. And they were sort of like this big corporation and I started working with them and they started helping us and then they stole my program.
0: No. Yeah.
2: And so then in the end it was me and I was doing it I was D I Y. And I was just going out to people and saying, Yep, come come with us, to come to this school and we'll get a booking at a school and then this corporation came over the top and they just took everything. So and it that was a would,
0: big corporation. The big
2: cor- yeah. So they were sponsored by like a big museum, a big um, philanthropy sort of type thing. So then they had the money yeah. and so they took the program and decided to run with it in-house rather than going to schools. Okay. They would invite schools to their their big studios and everything like that. And that sort of undermined what I was doing. I was going to schools and running this activity program. So, yeah, It must have been a real gut punch. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was bad, but then at that stage there was so much falling on the plate. Right. That, and that was just when our first daughter was born that it was just like no I've done this and they actually bought me out Yeah, and so I said well you've got my program I could actually do something with this mm-hmm. and at that stage I just went look just give me this amount of money and I'll, I'll walk away and then I'll just concentrate okay. on DJing myself. And yeah. And I think it was a good decision because then I still got to do teaching, which I loved on the weekends. I got to DJ even now in my, like I'm out of the classroom for the first time in 25 years this year. Yeah. And, and like, even we're like doing interviews and everything like that. And you can just tell that person straight away when you're speaking to them on the phone or whatever, or yeah. on, you know, across Skype and, and, instantly this person says hi you know we'll say hi tell us about yourself after yeah. a minute yeah you know i'll look to the principal and we'll just go yep this okay. is the person we want or unfortunately about 80% of the time we go no nah, there's something not right you know yeah. that there's that innate sort of i don't know passion inside you that just yeah. goes yeah this person's born to, te- yeah. born to teach born to teach yeah that's it
0: do you have like a unique appreciation for DJ music? You know, someone like Avicii,
2: and that's the thing. I think I'm a fraud when it comes to music. Okay, because I don't play actually any music instrument. I can program anything on a computer and use all the software like Ableton and that, and yeah. program program anything. Yeah. But in terms of putting a guitar in, so someone like that, you just go wow because that's on that higher level. Yeah. I think when you sort of approach DJing in my mixtape sort of way, mm-hmm. you love music because then you can listen to Shania Twain. And you can go, you know what? I don't like this, but this would mix perfectly, you know, with this right. with this rap you song. Really with this, yeah, and so then it's just that that case of you just find that beat, mm-hmm. you find that line and then go, yep, this can go with this. Yeah. And so we'd always have parties, or friends would ask me to make mixtapes, and I'd say, right, give me three songs, and I want weird, you know, different, completely different songs, mm-hmm. and I'll make you an hour mix, you know, from that. And that was that was the hobby. And right. so it was always just yeah, a labor of love. You'd just sit there and. Poor Georgia would be in another room going, Don't play Van Halen again <laughs> And I'll go, but it's, you don't understand. It's mixing perfectly with Imagine and Jay Z and this drum and bass song. So you know, we'd have like four songs going on top put of it.
1: The headphones on, yeah. please. Yeah. Just put the headphones yeah, it wasn't on. Good. Yeah. I'm trying to do something.
2: She's rocking the baby to sleep, and it's right. just like, <laughs> like
0: Halen. Yeah,
2: and it was never. It was never the song. So it, it was like um, once I think probably about 10, 15 years ago when mashups. You know, really hit and then it wasn't sort of like just it would be how many songs can you fit in the space of an hour yeah. And so we would just sort of sit down and just go through, you know, hundred songs, yeah. and it would just be this one, this one, loop this one, do this one. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, you go, I don't care if anyone listens to this; it's just, it's just fun. Yeah. It's like a sport in the end. Well, yeah.
0: this is almost like this podcast. Yeah,
2: exactly. We'll just <laughs> mix it together. <laughs> no I'm waiting to hear to some Van Halen in the background. Now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, Van Halen and Shania Twain—they go really <laughs> well together. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's coming up with the names of the songs. So then you've got these two song titles. And just yeah. to come up with that, stu- so when you've got that, don't that don't impress me much. Yeah. And then Van Halen, you go, well, that don't jump me much. Or so. and then you just sit back and you go, that's it. That's that's my pinnacle in life. And yeah, that's that's where it came. But um, yeah, and it was just always new music. Mm-hmm. We like, I think the one thing we miss about Australia the absolute most is not, it's like family. We miss, we miss friends, but the main thing we miss is Triple J.
0: Triple J Hotline 100. Oh, gotcha.
2: And like. I see that. It's you know that was that that one culture where you know you'll just go up to someone and say you know what music do you listen to they go oh I listen to Triple J and you go yeah. yes <laughs> we will be best friends you know and and I think that's that one thing that culture that music culture that you get from DJing that you get from you know going out um, to pubs clubs listening to Triple J you know our biggest tradition was um, you know the hottest one hundred barbecue and that was my fav- oh, yeah. favourite favourite day of the year pastime, yeah. like people would take christmas <laughs> people take easter, easter and everything mine was you know a 100 barbecue right and we'd sit there with you know the the bingo and everything like that and mm-hmm. yeah it was
0: always good best of the uh, dr what do you call it, dr mo, no, mr. mo? <laughs> mr mo no what Professor was it what does it no i
2: had a dj name but i don't say it because... promo promo let <laughs> promo, That's so promo good. Mo. yeah mega mo mega mo um, mega mo no, but then I just make mixes now, Yeah. and so and the best thing about a mix you don't have to listen to new music, yeah. You know, to do it you can have all these things. So I'm making one now, which has got Mumbo Number Five, going with Banger off uh, the Banger, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then that goes with That you know, don't like impress a impress me, much. An, oh, here we go. A rap song, everything, I'm and you can just find podcast, it all. I love it. Yeah. That's going to be the name of the of the podcast. Oh.
1: That's why I went to London on the weekend so I didn't have to listen to him mix mumbo number five.
0: Well, I've got this. <laughs> understandable. Oh. Should have gone further. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I try. Mm. Yeah.
2: But you can, find, yeah, you can find anything. So it just gives you appreciation to just go, you know what? I can listen to anything and see see yep. the, the beauty within. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's, that's a that's nice good. way to end this thing.
1: Yeah, actually. <laughs> so
0: it's,
2: where do we start? And where oh, do we dear. Yeah, I don't
1: know. That's been like a ripper. Hey, it's been a ripper. <laughs>
0: What's your Hollywood name, by the way? What
1: is a Hollywood name? A Hollywood
2: name? name? Is, like, it, is, that like, is that equivalent to, like, what's your porn name? Porn star name?
0: Like, uh... Jennifer Aniston. Like, Bennifer or, like...
2: Oh, right. Ooh. You ever heard of that? Oh, we were. Remember when we had those, that couple that sort of knew we were both together and they called us George and Doreen. Yeah. yeah. At and, a party
1: and,
0: once. and they
2: didn't know quite yeah. who. Cause they we called were,
0: you Doreen.
2: N- no, I was Doreen. She was Doreen.
1: Oh, and he was George. Yeah. But instead of Georgia and Darren, it was George and Doreen. And we were like... Uh, Okay. Did
0: you make an attempt to correct them?
1: No, I don't Not think so. That, no, I think no. that we just enjoyed being George and Doreen for that evening. It right? was
2: our alter ego. But then, yeah, we were all also asked, um, you know, who you, who would play your character if you had a, you know, like a biopic bio made for you. Right. And we sat down one night and we were working it out and I think you were voted as Gina Davis. I and wish always. I was Gina Davis. And was that good. would
1: be like good.
2: Unfortunately, <laughs> I got David Schwimmer, and everyone around just went, <laughs> yep, that's correct. And I just went, oh, I think I agree with that as well. So There's really
0: something in that.
1: Yeah,
2: No, I don't think we've got a, a unit name, have we? No, I don't it's think It's just we've always really... George and Darren. I don't
1: know what it would be, really. What do you think it
2: would be? Jo- Joran. Joran? Yeah, but that, that sounds like a like a, I don't know, a, Cro- a Croatian guy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <it does> <laughs> I'm looking for gore because, yeah, Darger. Dajah sounds cool.
0: Dajah good. Dodger' yeah. all right. That could that be, could be right. Darja, yeah. It sounds very mysterious. But
2: I used to always, when you know, when you change it, because her maiden name was Blair, and ours is right, and and I thought, yeah, blight. You know, you put it together, blight would have been a good one, <laughs> but didn't work. So, what's your? What was your? When I said before the porn star name, you know, it's your first pet and your first street. Uh, good question. First pet, first street.
0: Uh, I think it was Break Street. And my pet was Buffy.
2: So Buffy Break. Oh, that's a a Buffy Break. So mine was. I had Ruben Rubicon. Oh, Yeah, that was like I could see the mustache coming out there then. Oh, is that one? Yeah. What was yours? A lot of questions answered
1: there. The cat was Tammy. Yeah. So Tammy and the street. I I
2: remember this. That was the one. didn't you live in like Henderson Street or something? What was that?
1: Mm. It was in Heathmont, but yeah. I can't remember the name
2: of it. Tammy the street. Heathmont, even. That sounds good.
1: I can't remember the yeah. name of the street because it was like for a very short period before we moved mm. to your favourite town, Brisbane.
0: Oh. I've only heard negative things about Brisbane from you. <laughs> I love
1: Brisbane. I love the Gold Coast. I love it all. But it does remind me of a very much, uh, I think that's a Swedish thing. That's why Swedes like it. It's a bit like, um, you know, people out with their tank tops and their shorts and their tattoos. And yes. uh, it's really quite a distinct culture. But you
0: prefer you? Melbourne. Oh, definitely. Definitely mm, brought down. definitely, Darren yeah.
1: Melbourne. Melbourne's got a different culture because it's very much a band culture, mm. isn't it? Like you know, live music and you know, right. it's a bit more dark.
0: Oh yeah, and, it feels yeah. like a totally different place. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. It's got a different, different feel.
0: Yep. How many more Australian colloquialisms can we get in before we finish? Oh, oh, fair crack of the fair crack of the whip. No fair. fair suck of the sack. Yeah, fair suck of the sack. Have you heard that I one? I think you've got. I must have. I don't think so. Yeah, that was the the, the cab...
1: Savaloy. What ever happened to the Saveloy? I mean...
0: Not really popular these days, is it?
1: <laughs> no. You don't hear many people <laughs> talking about, about a Saveloy. I
0: dag- mean,
1: really.
2: But you, you've got to admit, you had a Dagwood dog in your life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big so, time. The show. So
0: what food do you miss the most? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, you know what? Meat pie. Yeah, yeah, Nothing yeah meat me pie. too. They have them at e ear- Yeah, no, They're not the like same. New Zealand Australian pies are mm. pretty good.
1: But on the weekend uh, in London, we indulged in a few sausage rolls, I must admit. Oh. And that was good. Yeah. Lexi especially enjoyed the sausage roll. She said, Mum, I've missed having a sausage roll. Mm. So we actually smuggled three little containers of sausage rolls home in our bag.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Did you get frozen mm. ones? Yes. Oh, very
2: cool. <laughs> it's a small, short flight, so by the time you get back, you know, they haven't thawed out. They haven't
1: defrosted you. And uh, yeah, that was sweet. It was nice to see you so excited about um australian english food yeah really so yeah that was cute yeah well it's a very
2: australian thing but she misses the party pie oh, oh yeah.
1: she's always yeah, asking it's... for a paddy's party pie you know pa- oh yes
0: oh, oh, oh the brand yep, yeah. Yeah. Ones, absolutely yeah, yeah
1: yeah
0: oh yeah i understand that they're almost better in a way party pies
1: oh. i don't know i better. tell you they're they are almost the a very different experience from yeah. normal pie. but i think like you know look we can't go past the old 4 and 20.
0: Hmm. No, you can't go wrong with that. No. But, um, what does she go to, though? Because you've got a couple of choices these days. You've um, got the steak and... not oh, curry pies. Oh,
2: oh you oh, love a curry yeah. pie, don't curry you? Curry pie, nothing but... Stay away from
0: the curry
1: pie. Uh, yeah, I don't need a curry pie. No, a I, I just have a, a steak pie. But She had a um, pasty and it was a steak and ale. <laughs> and she said, Mum, is, like pa- is it like a party pie? Is it like a, um, a pie? And I said... Um, give it a go. And uh, she she had half of it and she said, Mum, it's nothing like that. It's, a pie. Not, it's <laughs> not even really. I like that. It's a bit both, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not in Australia anymore. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: that was a bit heartbreaking for her, but you know.
0: Well, my most famous moment in the school is bringing fairy bread to Fika.
1: You are well known for the fairy bread, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's really stuck with you. Uh, yeah, it there's hasn't. not a day that somebody doesn't go no. and make a comment about the fairy bread. Yeah, very uh, unprovoked comment. That you uh, made for Fika that we had at school. Yes. And people constantly question you, when are you going to make uh, fairy bread again? Mm, yeah. Oh, not fairy bread again. And I mean, look, your other one is—they um, even thought that you would enjoy a spot of Marmite, and they gave you a jar of Marmite. Makes me remember? Sick, to be honest.
0: Unbelievable. And they gave it to me, and they said it was a gift. I thought it was an insult, but I really think they meant it as a gift. So we had a real, real clash.
1: And no, I was upset that they gave you Marmite like, I'm still because upset. I think we all know that Marmite and Vegemite aren't the same.
0: And Marmite's incredibly inferior. Mm.
1: In yeah, and way. I really was disappointed that they actually thought that you would indulge in the Marmite. <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> Editing at uh, 81 minutes. <laughs> I'll edit here.
0: I'll edit it to make myself look really good. And you two will just be sort of like passengers along the way.
1: <laughs>
0: well, thanks so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank thanks you. for having me. This has us. been a really good time. Well, it, was cool. it was
1: really fun. True. Definitely.
0: We'll definitely have you on again. I just said we. Yeah. <laughs> we, me, and my team. <laughs> We'd like to thank production yeah, team of <laughs> uh, advertising.
2: Sponsored by Lofberg's Ice Macchiato. I couldn't say it better. Bonacqua. I
0: can't even say Bonacqua. And fairy bread. Bonacqua. And fairy bread. And fairy bread. (laughs) Brilliant. All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Cheers, mate.